إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين نعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنا أنزلناه في ليلة القدر وما أدرك ما ليلة القدر ليلة القدر خير من ألف شهر تنزل الملائكة والروح فيها بإذن ربهم من كل أمر سلام يا حتى ما طلع الفجر الله أكبر سبحان ربي العظيم وبحمد ربي صلي على محمد وآل محمد سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر استغفر الله ربي وأتوب إليه الله أكبر سبحان ربي الأعلى وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر بحول الله وقوته أقوم وأقعد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين نعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل هو الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد كذلك الله ربي الله أكبر اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد أفضل ما صليت وباركت على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم صل على محمد وآله في كل وقت وكل أوان ولا كل هام اللهم العن أول ظالم ظلم حق محمد وآل محمد وآخر تابع له ولا ذلك اللهم العن الأصابة التي جاهدت الحسين وشايت وبايت وتابت على قتله اللهم العنهم جميعا اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجهم وأهلك أعداهم الله أكبر سبحان ربي العظيم وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر أستغفر الله ربي وأتوب إليه الله أكبر 
سبحان ربي الأعلى وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر الحمد لله كما هو أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وتقبل شفاعته وارفع درجته بحول الله وقوته أكون وأتعب الله أكبر سبحان ربي العظيم وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر أستغفر الله ربي وأتوب إليه الله أكبر سبحان ربي الأعلى وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر بحول الله وقوته أكون وأتعب الله أكبر سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان ربي العظيم وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر استغفر الله ربي وأتوب إليه الله أكبر سبحان ربي الأعلى وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد يا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين أرزقني وارزق عيالي من فضلك فإنك ذو الفضل العظيم وأنت الجواد الكريم يا خير الرازقين الله أكبر الحمد لله كما هو أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد السلام عليك أيها النبي ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام علينا وعلى عباد الله الصالحين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجه
Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Muhammad Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Muhammad Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Muhammad Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Allahumma innahu laysa li ilmun bimawdi'i rizqi wa innama atubuhu bi khatratin takhturu ala qalbi fajulu fi talbihi albuldan fana fima ana talibun kalheiran ladriyan fi sahlin wa anfi jabal anfi ardin anfi samain anfi barin anfi bahar وعلى يديما ومن قبل ما وقد علمت أن علمه عندك وأسبابه بيدك وأنت الذي تقسمه بلطفك وتسببه برحمتك اللهم فصل على محمد وآله واجعل يا ربي رزقك لي واسعا ومطلبه سهلا وماخذه قريبا ولا تعنني بطلب ما لم تقدر لي فيه رزقا فإنك غني عن عذابي وأنا فقير إلى رحمتك فصل على محمد وآله وجد على عبدك بفضلك إنك ذو فضل عظيم اللهم صل على محمد اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم إني أسألك برحمتك التي وسعت كل شيء وبقوتك التي قهرت بها كل شيء وخذلها كل شيء وذللها كل شيء وبجبروتك التي غلبت بها كل شيء وبعزتك التي لا يقوم لها شيء وبعظمتك التي ملأت كل شيء وبسلطانك الذي على كل شيء وبوجهك الباقي بعد فناء كل شيء وبأسماءك التي ملأت أركان كل شيء وبعلمك الذي أحاط بكل شيء وبنور وجهك الذي أضاله كل شيء يا نور يا قدوس يا أول الأولين ويا آخر الآخرين اللهم اغفر لي الذنوب التي تحت كل صم اللهم اغفر لي الذنوب التي تنزل النقم اللهم اغفر لي الذنوب التي تغير النعم اللهم اغفر لي الذنوب التي تحبس الدعاء اللهم اغفر لي الذنوب التي تنزل البلاء 
اللهم اغفر لي كل ذنب اذنبته وكل خطيئه اخطاتها اللهم اني اتقرب اليك بذكرك واستشفي بك الى نفسك واسالك بجودك ان تبنيني من قربك وان توزعني شكرك وان تلهمني ذكرك اللهم اني اسالك سؤال خاضع متذلل خاشع أن تسامحني وترحمني وتجعلني بقسمك راضيا قانعا وفي جميع الأهوال متواضعا اللهم وأسألك سؤال من اشتدت فاقته وأنزل بك عند الشدائد حاجته وعظم فيما عندك رغبته اللهم أعظم سلطانك وعلى مكانك وخفي مكرك وظهر أمرك وغلب قهرك وجرت قدرتك ولا يمكن الفرار من حكومتك اللهم لا أجد لذنوبي غافرا ولا لقباعه ساترا ولا لشيء من عملي القبيه بالحسن مبدلا غيرك لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك وبحمدك ظلمت نفسي وتجرأت بجهلي وسكنت إلى قديم ذكرك لي ومنك علي اللهم مولاي كم من قبيه سترت وكم من فاذه من البلايا قلت وكم من عثار وقيت وكم من مكروه دفعت وكم من ثناء جميل لست أهلا له نشرت اللهم أعظم بلائي وفرت بسوء حالي وقسرت بعمالي وقعدت بأغلالي وحبسني عن نفع بعد أمالي وخذتني الدنيا بغرورها سيدي فأسألك بإزتك لا يحجب عنك دواي سوء عملي وفعالي ولا تفضحني بخفي ما اطلعت عليه من سري ولا تواجني بالعقوبة على ما عملته في خلواتي من سوء فعلي وإسعتي ودوام تفريتي وجهالتي وكثرة الشهوات وغفلتي وكن اللهم بإزتك لي في, في الأهوال كلها رعوفا وعلي في جميع الأمور عطوفا إلهي وربي مني غيرك أسأله كشف ضري والنظر في أمري إلهي ومولاي أجريت علي حكما اتبعت فيه هوى نفسي ولم أحترس فيه من تزين عدوي فغرني بما أهوى وأسعده على ذلك القضاء فتجاوزت بما جرى علي من ذلك بعد حدودك وخالفت بعد أوامرك فلك الحجة علي في جميع ذلك ولا حجة لي فيما جرى علي, علي فيه قضاءك وانزمني حكمك وبلاءك وقد أتيتك يا إلهي بعد تقصيري وإسرافي على نفسي معتدرا نادما منكسرا مستقيلا مستغفرا منيبا مقرا مدعنا معترفا لا أجد مفرا مما كان مني ولا مفزعا نتوجه إلي في أمري غير قبولك عذري وإذخالك إياي في سأة من رحمتك 
اللهم فقد ندعي وارحم شدة ذري وفكني من شد وثاقيم يا رب ارحم ضعف بدني ورقة جلدي ودقة عظمي يا منبت خلقي وذكري وتربيتي وبري وتغذيتي هبني لابتداعي كرمك وسالف برك بي يا إلهي وسيدي وربي أتراك معذبي بنارك بعد توحيدك وبعد من طوى علي قلبي من معرفتك ولهج به لساني من ذكرك واعتقده ضمير من حبك وبعد سبق أترافي ودوائي خاض لربوبيتك هيهات أنت أكرم من أن تضي من ربيت أو تبعد من أذنيت أو تجرد من آويت أو تسلم إلى البلا من كفيته ورحمت وليت شعري يا سيدي وإلهي ومولاي أتسلط النار على وجوه خرت لعظمتك ساجدة وعلى ألسن نتقرت بتوحيدك صادقة وبشكرك ماتها وعلى قلوب اعترفت بإلهيتك محققة وعلى ذمائر حوت من العلم بك حتى صارت خاشعة وعلى جوارح سعت إلى أوطاني تعبدك طائعة وأشارت باستغفارك مدعنا ما هكذا الذنوبك ولا أخبرنا بفضلك عنك يا كريم يا ربي وأنت تعلم ضعفي عن قليل من بلاء الدنيا وعقوباتها وما يجري فيها من المكاره على أهلها على أن ذلك بلاء ومكره قليل مكثو يسير بقاء قسير مدته فكيف احتمالي لبلاء الآخرة وجليل وقوع المكاره فيها وهو بلاء تتون مدته ويدوم مقامه ولا يخفف عن أهلي لأنه لا يكون إلا عن غضبك وانتقامك وسخطك وهذا ما لا تقوم له السماوات والأرض يا سيدي فكيف بي وأنا عبدك الضعيف الضليل الحقير المسكين المستكين يا إلهي وربي وسيدي ومولاي لأي الأمور إليك أشكو ولما منها أضج وأبكي لعليم العظام وشدته أملته للبلاء ومندته فلئن سيرتني للأقوبات مع عضائك وجمعت بيني وبين أهل بلائك وفرقت بيني وبين أهل أحبائك وأوليائك فهبني يا إلهي وسيدي ومولاي وربي صبرت على عضابك فكيف أصبر على فراقك وهبني صبرت على حر نارك فكيف أصبر عن النظر إلى كرامتك أم كيف أسكن في النار ورجائي عفوك فبيزتك يا سيدي ومولاي أقسم صادقة لئن تركتني ناتقة لاضجن إليك بين أهلها ذجيج الآملين ولأسرخن إليك سراخ المستصرفين 
ولكن عليك بكاء الفاقدين ولنادينك إن كنت يا ولي المؤمنين يا غاية مال العارفين يا غياث المستغيثين يا حبيب قلوب الصادقين ويا إله العالمين أفتراك سبحانك يا إلهي وبحمدك تسمع فيها صوت عبد مسلم سجن فيها بمخالفته وضاقت عن مضابها بمعصيته وحبس بين أطباقها بجرمه وجريرته وهو يذج إليك ضجيج معمل لرحمتك ويناديك بلسان أهل توحيدك ويتوسل إليك بربوبيتك يا مولاي فكيف يبقى في العذاب وهو يرجو ما سلف من حلمك أم كيف تؤلمه النار وهو يعمل فضلك ورحمتك أم كيف يحرقه لهيبها وأنت تسمع صوته وترى مكانه أم كيف يشتمل عليه زفيرها وأنت تعلم ضعفا أم كيف يتقلقل بين أتباقها وأنت تعلم صدقا أم كيف تسجره زبانيتها وهو يناديك يا ربا أم كيف أم كيف يرجو فضلك في عتقه منها فتتركه فيها هيهات ما ذلك ذنوبك ولا المعروف من فضلك ولا مشبه لما عملت به الموحدين من برك وإحسانك فباليقين يقطع لولا ما حكمت به من تعذيب جاهدك وقضيت به من إخلاد المعاندك لجعلت النار كلها بردا وسلاما وما كانت لأهد فيها مقر ولا مقاما لكنك تقدست أسماءك أقسمت أن تملاها من الكافرين من الجنة والناس يجمعين وأن تخلد فيها المعاندين وأنت جل ثناؤك قلت مبتديا وتطولت بالإنام متكرما أفمن كان مؤمنا كمن كان فاسقا لا يستهون إلهي وسيدي فأسلك بالقدرة التي قدرتها وبالقضية التي حتمتها وحكمتها وغلبت من عليه يجريتها أن تهبني في هذه الليلة وفي هذه الساعة كل جرم أجرمته وكل ذنب أذنبته وكل قبيه نسررت وكل جهل عملته كتمته وعلمت أخفيته وظهرت وكل سيئة مرت بإثباتها الكرام الكاتبين الذين وكلتهم بحفظ ما يكون مني وجعلتهم شهودا علي مع جواره وكنت أنت الرقيب علي من ورائهم والشاهد لما خفي أنهم وبرحمتك أخفيت وبفضلك سترت وأن توفر حظي من كل خير تنزل أو إحسان تفضل أو بر تنشر أو رزق تبسط أو ذنب تغفر أو خطأ تستر يا ربي يا ربي يا رب 
يا إلهي وسيدي ومولاي ومالك عرقي يا من بيده ناصيتي يا عليما بضري ومسكنتي يا خبيرا بفقري وفاقتي يا ربي يا ربي يا رب أسألك بحقك وقدسك وعظم صفاتك وأسمائك أن تجعل أوقاتي في الليل والنهار بذكرك معمورة وبخدمتك موصولة وعمالي عندك مقبولة حتى تكون عمالي وأورادي كلها وردا واهدا وحالي في خدمتك سرمدا يا سيدي يا من عليه معولي يا من إليه شكوت أهوالي يا ربي يا ربي يا رب قو على خدمتك جواره واشدد على العزيمة جوانه وهب لي الجد في خشيتك والدوام في الاتصال بخدمتك حتى أسرح إليك في ميادين السابقين وأسري إليك في المبادرين واشتاق إلى قربك في المشتاقين وادنوى منك ذنوى المخلصين وخافك مخافة الموقنين واجتمع في جوارك مع المؤمنين اللهم ومن أرادني بسوء فأرد ومن كادني فكد واجعلني من أحسن عبيدك نصيبا عندك وأقربهم منزلة منك وأخصهم زلفة لديك فإنه لا ينال ذلك إلا بفضلك وجدني بجودك واعطف علي بمجدك واحفظني برحمتك واجعل لساني بذكرك لهجا وقلبي بحبك متيما ومن علي بحسن إجابتك واقلني عثرتي واغفر زلتي فإنك قضيت على عبادك بعبادتك ومرتهم بدعائي وضمنت لهم الإجابة فإليك يا ربي نسبت وجهي وإليك يا ربي مددت يدي فبعزتك استجب لي دعائي وبلغني مناية ولا تقطع من فضلك رجائي واكفني شر الجن والإنس من عدائي يا سري الرضا اغفر لي من لا يملك إلا الدعاء فإنك فعال لما تشاء يا من اسمه دواء وذكره شفاء وطاعته غنى ارحم الرأس ماله الرجاء وسلاهه البقاء يا سابغ النعم يا دافي النقم يا نور المستوهشين في الظلم يا عالم لا يعلم صل على محمد وآل محمد وافعل بما أنت أهله وصلى الله على رسوله والعمة الميامين من آله وسلم تسليما كثيرا سورة فاتحة
بر محمد و علی محمد سلوات دوبا هوا حسین کا لا شاله مهین یا مصطفی کے قلب کا ٹکڑا
झूले में परास घर दिन रात है रोया है जब प्यास भुजी इसकी तो फिर चैन से सोया मकतल में सकीना फिर क्यों मकतल में सकीना फिर क्यों इसे ढूंढने जाती है तुम मुझे पास बुला लो मुझे प्यास सताती है तुम मुझे पास बुला लो मुझे प्यास सताती है I know that the hall is empty at the moment, but if the brothers at the back could stand up and just move forward and to my right, just so that as people come in, it's easier for them to sit down. And there is uh, parallel children's majlises upstairs, so for those that uh, have children who would like to send them upstairs, the majlis will be starting up there shortly as well. Bar Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad Salawat. الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا ان هدانا الله والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين شفيع ذنوبنا وطبيب نفوسنا وحبيب قلوبنا ابي القاسم محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين المعصومين المظلومين وأصحابه المنتجبين ولعنة الله الدائمة على عدائه المجمعين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب الشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل لقدة من لساني يفقه قولي أما بعد السلام عليكم جميعا ورحمة الله وبركاته أعظم الله جرنا وجركم بمصابنا بأبي عبد الله الحسين عليه الصلاة والسلام From yesterday we stated that the whole of this world of God is in a state of motion it's a dynamic motion incessant motion to completion completion of its own potential that is in the world it does not allow for any stagnation any pauses it is constantly bursting forth. It is constantly showing itself 
elaborating, completing its own journey. In this process, it cannot be restrained. Every form of restrainment results in a violent event. If you look at the stars, when they devastate and deplete their energy, they explode, creating galaxies, newer ones, and producing newer stars. It is always on the growth process. It is always elaborating. It's always producing. If you were to look at the state of uh, death compared to the ratio of death with life, life outnumbers death. Humanity has been evolving despite the challenges that it has faced. Everything in this world is growing. And whenever it is restrained, it results in a violent event. And that violent event is there to promote further growth. You see the world as she matures, the earth of ours. It results in volcanoes, earthquakes, natural evils that we call. But they are there to promote further growth, further elaboration, further maturity. The same is the state with the human beings. The human beings are always on the move. They're always growing. This is the fundamental condition of the human being. Whether it's the physical one, procreating, advancing, whether it's intellectual, it wants to grow, it wants to elaborate. This is the fundamental nature of everything around us and us included. But for us, beyond the physical surge of elaboration, growth, evolution, and realization of that potential that is within us, there is also an intellectual facet in which we need to make sense of things around us. There is this yearning, this thirst within us to know, to conquer, to overcome obstacles. Strange is the story of human beings. We thrive under challenge. As soon as an obstacle is placed in front of us, we want to overcome it. As soon as a limitation is given to us, we want to break it. We know no limitations. We know no boundaries. There is no stopping us. This is our fundamental nature. What happens here is, as we stated yesterday, we need to make sense of our world at large. But when we make sense of our world, it not only restrains our growth, but it brings in a stage of confusion. You see, on the one hand, we need to understand the world in order to make sense of it, in order to place things in there. But whatever sense we make of the world, ultimately and inevitably, it's restrictive. Because our worldviews are always within parameters. And anything that is within parameter cannot sustain the curiosity of that which has no parameters. If we are an ending motion, then any worldview that we set up for ourselves will inevitably be restrictive. To break through these boundaries requires great courage. But whether human beings display that courage or not, inevitably they will break through those boundaries, for there is no stopping this motion. We stated yesterday that this results in violent events, in revolutions, in change of power and authority. Look at this, from feudalism to capitalism to presumed communism, so on and so forth. We are always moving. Worldviews are always accommodating growth to a certain extent. And beyond that, they restrain. But what do we do? This is the process. In fact, as Hegel described, our process is a dialectic one. 
How is it dialectic? We form a worldview. This is a thesis. This is what we are all about. These are the parameters in which we will operate. Then the evidence contrary to it mounts. And then we perform a process of tearing it apart, which is antithesis. Then together with the thesis and antithesis, we synthesize and form a broader worldview. And it's a constant motion <coughs> of elaboration, restriction, challenging, and further elaboration. In fact, the prophets have done this very thing. They have displayed this very thing within the prophetic trend. If you look at the successive prophets that have come, they have always challenged the human mind. They have always broadened their worldview. They have always given them a greater paradigm in which to exist so that they may flow towards their completion. And this is the very nature that we see the renewal of the Sharias one after another. In essence, in essence, the Sharia of Musa, Isa is no different from that of Ibrahim and hence they are called the Abrahamic faiths. In essence, the Sharia of the Prophet of Islam is no different from that of Ibrahim, Musa and Isa. What has changed? The changes to accommodate further growth. What was happening at every level was that the prophets were giving something quite magnificent, beautiful, essential. In essence, they were providing a framework of unlimited growth. But what happened was that because they had to formulate rules and regulations, state morals and values for those people because the people were very, very naive within that framework, the people took those formulations as ends within themselves. And hence a need for a newer prophet to review the faith, to return it to its original essence of flexibility, the essence that allows for unlimited growth. And hence we see successive prophets coming. They come, they look at the good of what the other prophet has left in essence, and then they supply it with their own forms. This was the very process of thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. In fact, it flows on the basis of la ilaha illallah. La ilaha is the breaking of the former paradigm. Illallah is a creation of a newer one. But here, the illallah in itself becomes restrictive because mortal, feeble human minds are constructing them on the teachings of the Prophet in which they don't understand the essence of what the Prophet was trying to give. So a newer Prophet comes, unravels it all, brings it back to the essence and reformulates it. This is a constant process that is occurring and that's supposed to occur. In fact, the best and the most befitting and the most accurate description of a most befitting paradigm ought to be a paradigm that is based on no finality. That there is no finality. The human mind should mature now to a level where it can never be challenged anymore. You see, the previous human mind, as soon as the earth was understood to not to be the center of the universe was challenged. As soon as somebody resurrects the dead, the religious theological mind will be challenged. In fact, today, if an alien were to descend upon this earth, it should be something that we ought to be able to expect and accept. It should not challenge us at all. We ought to just say that, yes, this is an event that was possible and it has occurred. What's the big deal? To have 
a paradigm of no finality in which anything and everything is possible. Of course, we have to construct a worldview, but a worldview within a broader framework of no finality, so that whenever it is challenged, we can revise it with ease, without the need of complexities, confusions, bloodsheds, and revolutions. If we can arrive at that point of creation of a paradigm, which allows for unlimited growth that can revise itself again and again and again, then we have achieved it. And this is what God's centricity does and Islam is supposed to do. If we look at Islam, it's wholesome submission. Submission to who? To Allah. And who is Allah by definition? The most unlimited, absolute principle who creates us in his image. Of course, God does not have a face, yes? Sometimes people mistake image for, mean, for meaning something that is reflected within the mirror. Image has a far greater meaning. God is unlimited. Me and you are the breaths of the merciful, aren't we? And when I breathe into him of my spirit, fall flat upon your foreheads. This is the display of godliness within us. If our focus is God, and God is the ultimate and the unlimited, then potentially we are unlimited. Our potential vested within us yearns to show itself, to actualize itself. And the most befitting paradigm, therefore, is the one that unrestricts us through no finality. And this is what theology is supposed to do for us. Belief in God, it is supposed to be a point of liberation, not a point of constraintment. God can never be God if he does not allow for challenge after creating us as challenging beings. If we did not challenge the status quo, how would we be fulfilling our purpose that God has placed within us? If we were to accept each and everything, how would we ever evolve? The fact that we struggle, the fact that the faiths come to a stage where they find an internal strife within them and they say that our belief system does not accord with life at hand and the dictates of life. The dictates of life are broader than the dictates of faith. What they misunderstand is that faith never dictates restrictions. It is the feeble minds of the faithful that constructs the, restri the restriction around the unlimited essence of faith. This challenge is what is encouraged by the process of Islam of liberating us at all points. So God is that principle that allows us to become complete. We yearn him and he yearns us. The fact that his spirit is within us shows that we cannot be stopped. We can never be stopped. So now I ask you a question before we go into today's theme and ending this recap, brief recap. I ask you a question. Observe this particular historical event and phenomena and tell me. And then I'll ask you another question. That the popes within Christianity were, uh, were able to issue t statements and mobilize the Christians into the crusades that took place. And a full bloodbath. Yes? They were able to do this a thousand years ago. Today's secular state, when Mr. Tony Blair proposed waging of war against Iraq on the basis of Saddam possessing weapons of mass destruction, 
the secular state took to the streets in protest at the rights, human rights of the other who are the Iraqis. Imagine this. Christianity, with this unlimited proclamation of love and mercy, kindness to the neighbor and forgiveness of the other, was able to mobilize people into killing other people in the name of God. And here, within a secular state, people who are not supposed to be godly, who are not supposed to be religious, are displaying godliness and religious morals in standing for the rights of the other who is seen as the adversary, who is seen as the enemy. But yet, on the grounds of humanity, if this is not evolution and growth in which the secular state has not challenged the religious dictates of a religion that has totally gone astray, then what is it? I ask you a question, a simple question. What sort of a world as human beings do me and you look forward to? A world which is a world of goodness, don't we? If me and you did not have any hope for a good world, would we be sitting here so hopeful of expanding our business empire tomorrow? Would we be educating our children? Would we be creating these beautiful holes? Would we be thinking of expanding? Whether we like it or not, our inbuilt hard, we are hardwired and inbuilt nature is one of expansion, one of growth, one of positivity. Whether we like it or not, even though the religion dictates that the world of tomorrow is a bleak world, is a world of darkness, loss of morality, loss of spirituality, unworthy world. This world that is in our heads within religion is the world that stops us and stagnates us. But the real God that is within us, the real Islam that is there, wants expansion, wants good, wants harmonious coexistence, and hence we have this community participating in interfaith dialogue, doesn't it? As opposed to condemning every, every faith to the pit of hell, as opposed to condemning the whole of this world to a pitiful end, the community in itself demonstrates an inner truth <coughs> that is not demonstrated in its own worldview. The community wants to go forward. It has intrafaith, interfaith dialogue, doesn't it? It looks forward to a glorious tomorrow. It wants harmonious coexistence. It stands for human rights. People in this community are participating within politics. For what? To bring about hopefully a better tomorrow. Not only for itself, but for everyone else. At the level of worldview, the community feels, I'm talking about every community on the face of this earth. Every community that is religious. At the level of their intellectual minds, they feel that everybody is condemned. And that the world is a pitiful place. But at the level of their action, they are displaying something else. They are displaying a positive attitude. They are displaying a want for expansion, a want for growth. This is inner godliness that is calling them. And this is what, res this is what then results in the conflict between the intellectual worldview that we have, constructed by Aristotle, Newton, Newton Einstein, or by religion, and the inner reality. That is where the struggle comes from. The most befitting paradigm is the one of no finality, in which whatever worldview we construct can be examined and re-examined. There is nothing sacred about it. If it restricts and bars human growth, it should not result in a state of confusion, in a state of bewilderment and fear, 
In fact, it should result in a state of confidence to challenge it and to go forward. You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he has vested me with this potential, then I have enough confidence in my Lord, who has breathed his spirit into me, that he will honor me. If truly I am surrendered to my Allah, then by Allah, I am not afraid. Then I say, oh Allah, this is your creature, speaking with the truth that you have placed inside there. What I understand in my head of what I've been, uh, I've been taught and what you are dictating from here within me are two different things. Oh Lord, you have given me this life as a singular opportunity. I will not let it go to waste. I will question. I will ask those pertinent questions until I get the answers. But, oh my Lord, if I were to know that this is what you want, then I will prefer what you want above what I want. That is always there, O oh Lord, and you know that. But other than that, oh my God, I will not rest until I am true to what you have vested within me. So the most befitting way in which we should understand the world is in which a world has no finality. I remember a time, I'm going to give these examples as we advance into the talks. It was a popular belief that Imam Hussein Salamullah had 72 companions. Yes? Now, the way in which the community thought was that Hussein ibn Ali was made by 72 people. As soon as some scholars came and challenged that, no, there are riwayat, that Hussein ibn Ali had 150 companions, the whole basis of their Hussein shattered in their heads. I will say, does Hussein only mean 72 companions to you and to me? Is that all Hussein is? Is he measured in the scale on the basis of 72 people and numbers? Is that all Imam Hussein means? And then somebody else, Mulana Nakan of India, narrated in his book that Hussein ibn Ali Salamullah ran out of water on the night of Ashura. I'm not saying this. Ali Naki Nakan has said this. Yes, read his book. He ran out of water on the night of Ashura. So Abbas Salamullah with Habib and Akbar went and retrieved some water. The man was condemned to hell. The community was up in arms. How dare you say Hussein was not thirsty for three days? I will say here, is Hussein measured in three and one day's thirst? Is that it? Is that all Imam Hussein is? Is this the way we are thinking? So that when new information comes, we are totally shattered and broken. And it results in a mighty event, a revolution, a bloodbath, condemnation, apostasy, banning people, talking against each other. Seriously? Is this what happens? By Allah, I will stand in front of Allah and in front of Muhammad Rasulullah. My Hussein will be in front of me on the day of Qiyamah. Will I be able to look at this Hussein who will tell me, Arif, you measured me in a sip of water and that's all I meant to you? What about everything else about me? By Allah, when if Hussein was sipping water, when the blade arrived at his throat, he would still be Hussein ibn Ali. And if Hussein had lost water 10 days prior to his shahada, he would still be Hussein ibn Ali. Hussein is beyond 72 companions and beyond water. But the reason why we don't understand is because of these fixed views. There is no finality in our heads. If we adhere by no finality, imagine. 
Imagine how open this world becomes. Imagine how we become receptive to the truth as truth begins to flow into our chests. When people say God does not guide, God always guides. It is I who does not allow for guidance. You know, it is true. They say that when the 12th Imam Salamullah reappears, the people will say this is not the right Islam. Go away. <laughs> How laughable is this state, eh? We will say this is not salawat. We will say this is not right Islam. Go away. We know better than you. This is how much we are influenced in the way we think. It actually causes a bias and a prejudice in our heads of how much of the truth can we accept and how much of it we will reject. The Quran says one thing, but because my worldview is so blinkered, I will read something else from it. Do you know this? And it's very easy to explain. I have something against Shabbar. Allah bless you, I have nothing against you. It's just an example. I have something against Shabbar. The poor guy now smiles at me. And what goes in my head is, see he's trying to find points against me. He is only smiling because Allah has filled his chest with an angelic soul. And he can't stop and can't help but smile. But I will not be able to see that. That's true by the way, he's blushing now. Salawat. So a worldview of no finality is the most apt one in which any information can come. I am open enough in the state of Islam and surrender to accept this, to take it on board, to see what it means, to examine it, to see the truth therein. Inshallah, in the coming lectures, we will explain the worth of this and how Quran deals with this whole issue of liberating people. Now, because my time is running away, I'm not going to go too much into this and advance quickly. Now, this level of flexibility, no finality, to be able to accept is exactly what it means by the term, what is meant by the term Islam, God-centricity and human liberation. Islam means wholesome surrender. God-centricity means to whatever is dictated by God, because God is the most unlimited. Human liberation is that I am the principle of lack and restraint. I am restricted in my mind, in my spirit, in my morals. God is the ultimate principle, ultimate principle of completion and absoluteness. If I were to yearn him through surrender, the only process that comes about is one in which I lose my restrictions and begin to arrive at my own beautiful completion. That's the only process that results. And this is the process I term as no finality. The process of no finality and the best paradigm is the one that is based within the framework of no finality. We need worldviews, but every one of these worldviews are not sacred and they are not divine. They are human constructs based on religious or non-religious teachings. Now, the Quran in its theology gives a term to this utmost completion. It talks of it as Qiyamah. Everything is swiftly advancing towards its own completion. And that is known as Qiyama, whether it is me and you or whether it's the whole cosmos. Allah in his Quran, <coughs> 
in the story of human completion terms it as salvation, falah. Human completion is known as salvation, falah. Allah in the Quran asks for belief, for the story, in the story of salvation, asks for belief in Allah and in the hereafter only. Accompanied by righteous deeds. Look at the Quran inside out. In order to be successful, Allah says, believe in Allah, believe in hereafter, and perform righteous deeds. We, will, we might not come to the meaning of righteous deeds in this series of lectures and talks, but there are two things Allah insists on at the level of creating an attitude, and that is surrender to Allah and a notion of completing ourselves. And that is known as salvation and success. Let's talk about this salvation and success because after all, we are a faithful community. We are here in order to find salvation, aren't we? We devote ourselves to Allah in order to be successful on the day of Qiyamah, aren't we? We want to go to paradise as opposed to going anywhere else. We want to be the people who Allah is pleased with as opposed to those who He is displeased with. This is the whole story for a faithful, yes? We exist because of this. Now, if that is the case, then we need to understand what is salvation. You see, people of religion, they merely understand salvation to mean a belief system and a belief system that informs their attitudes and their actions and no more than that. So, so long as I say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, and I perform salah fast, I will be safe. I am not saying that that will not be the case, but I want to work into the issue more thoroughly. A Christian believes in the same way. A Jew believes in the same way. A Hindu in the same way. And a Buddhist in the same way. There is no difference amongst any of them in this particular trait. And Allah says in the Quran, for every one of them I have met mansak. For every one of them they have a direction. They're all the same in their own way. Quran says this. I'm not saying every religion is the same, but Quran says this trend is the same for everyone. It's as if it is a human condition, a human need. But the Quran says, do you presume that by saying, I believe that you will enter paradise and that I will not test you to the core? The Quran says this. The Prophet, in his Umrah before Hajj, the final one, he stands on Marwa and he summons the people. He says, if you are Qurayshi, but you're not righteous, and you do not mend your ways with Allah, I can't do anything for you. Even if you say you believe in me, I won't be able to do anything for you. But if a slave were to come to me without any nobility in your sight, but if he was righteous and not from the tribe of Quraysh, he will have everything on the day of Qiyamah. And I might be able to do something for him. Imam Sadiq states, that none of us, he says, none of us have any kinship with Allah. We don't have any kinship. We can't influence the decision of God. If you are righteous and if you mend your ways with God, then we can do something for you. Allah will be pleased with you. All of these are statements saying that this falah, Salvation is something other than what you have understood. It is not a mere proclamation. I believe in Jesus and that's enough. I'll go to paradise. 
I am saying Muhammad Rasulullah, I will go to paradise. Saddam said Muhammad Rasulullah, didn't he? I'm going to put a scenario in your minds. Think about this carefully. Allah says, Surah Nisa, I believe, twice. Allah will not forgive shirk and will forgive anything for whoever and anything else he can forgive for whoever, whoever he wishes. Yes? Let's go back. He repeats this verse twice. Allah will not forgive shirk. But other than shirk, he can forgive anything for anyone he likes. Okay? I want to ask you a question. It's going to be a shocking one. But it's going to be an invitation to think. Saddam did not do shirk by assumption, let's say. By assumption, Saddam did not do shirk. Yes? But he murdered people. Yes? He never bowed or worshipped an idol. He never proclaimed Trinity or Son of God, let us say. Therefore, Saddam falls in the scope of that verse that Allah can forgive anything for whoever he wishes, but he will not tolerate shirk. Can anybody's mind accept that? It is an invitation to think. What do these things mean? What is salvation? What is salvation? The killer of Imam Hussein. If he says, I did not do shirk. Yes, I know I'm going to make this a bit shocking now. Allah does not need to punish them. They create their own hell and they burn in their own inferno. Yes, Allah says, Just to put your mind at ease. Fear, fear the hell that has been prepared for the deniers whose fuel is man and stone. Man is the fuel. Man burns himself. Yes? Allah does not burn anybody. Allah says in the Quran, makes it very, very clear. This is what you have earned. This is what you have done. You are the inferno in your own self. In fact, I pray to Allah, O oh Lord, extinguish the fire. Do you know what Allah says? I do so so many times and you rekindle it. You know this? So forgiveness has a very different meaning. I'm just going to put your minds at rest, yes? Yazid will burn, Shimur will burn. All of these oppressive people will burn. But, but still do think about what I've asked, yes? Because in the past, just leaving a question in the minds of the people has proven to be very dangerous. But I'm just thinking, Quran leaves so many questions in our minds. It's not proven to be dangerous at all. Isn't that amazing? A community that reads the Quran that introduces so many questions in the head without answering them prop without it answers every question. <laughs> I'm not gonna fall for that one, am I? It answers every question, but not everybody is able to access the answer, yes? So it leaves majority of the people with questions. Yet they don't challenge Allah. But if anybody were to put a question in somebody's head, they would immediately presume that there's no answer for it. In any case, what is falah? What is success? What is success? Success is not proclamation of any name or any faith. Saddam did that. Yazid did that. Shimmer did that. Holy did this. Hasin bin Namir did this. And they killed the best of people. These people are burning in the greatest inferno. So what is success? This is what we need to understand. Within the paradigm, within God-centricity, Islam and human liberation is the, the understanding of success. What is success? For anything to arrive at the fullness of its potential. What is success for a seed of an apple tree? To become an apple tree. 
what is success for a fertilized ovum to become a fetus and a baby? What is success for a student to learn, educate, and actualize that education within the head? Not just read books and keep books and not understand anything of it. What is success for human being is to arrive at the fullest glory vested within humanity. For a human being to become a moral agent who is worthy of praise of Allah. To stand at angelic pedestals of such glory that Allah takes pride in him. What is success for a human being? To achieve the fullness of the intellectual curiosity to conquer the whole of universe. What is success for a human being? To bring about a society with harmonious coexistence. That is success for a human being. Not only me as an individual, but humanity as large. Why did the Prophet come for the believer and the non-believer? For me today as a Muslim, my concern is my community. But my great Prophet Muhammad Rasulullah when he came, there was no Muslim on the face of this earth. Was there? He came for humanity at large. Bring me one prophet. I mean, of course, Nabi Musa came for the Israelites, yes? But bring me one prophet whose message is curtailed to a group. They have always wanted reformation for humanity at large, for humanity to move along the evolutionary track once again. Whenever they were stagnated intellectually, spiritually, morally, the prophets came to prompt them on, didn't they? The whole of humanity. My success is not only individual, it's a success of humanity at large. That is the meaning of falah. A seed, if it remains a seed, there is no success. The seed has to tear itself apart to allow the tree to grow. The human mind has to be challenged for it to break forth from the boundaries that restrain it. The human morals have to become selfless morals for the sake of humanity. And then beyond that, for the human being to become God-like spiritual morality. That is success of humanity. And that is what we mean by utmost liberation through growth centricity in a state of surrender to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine when Gabriel comes, and I'm talking about this state of surrender only, this is an example. When Gabriel comes to Ibrahim at a ripe old age and says, Abraham, Allah chooses a, seeks to choose a friend upon this earth. Do you know what Ibrahim says? He says, Gabriel, lead me to the friend of God so that I may serve him. Gabriel said, it is because of this Allah has chosen you. Because of the state of surrender and fluidity within Ibrahim, that whoever my God chooses, I will adhere to that. I will not let my bias come in the way that, oh Lord, if it's not me, then it's no, no, no one else. Ibrahim did not allow that. Can you see that? Look at the first Muslims. They had worldviews when the Prophet came, the, the Madinian community, they were able to challenge their minds through what he said. And as a result, he liberated them. And they went forward and they arrived at the fullness of their existence. And that was success. Every Prophet has not sat still, apart from a couple. Let us say, Nabi Khidr and Nabi Yahya, who spent their lives in solitude. But everybody else has been a social reformer. 
they have challenged minds in order to prompt growth within humanity because they knew full well that the success of an individual lies in the success of the whole human community. Our story just is a very strange story. Mine and your destiny is contingent to each other, to the community, to humanity at large, to the past, present and future of humanity. All of us are maturing and success means humanity to come to the fullness of the potential vested within itself through God's centricity. Now, hear this beautiful hadith and this will aptly carry the meaning that we have been trying to give. It says that when Mahdi appears, he will not come. He will not come to make you pray because you will have been mature enough to pray anyway by that time. He will not come to make you pay the poor taxes because you will already be paying it. He will not come to make you fast and do hajj because you will have understood the values of these devotions and you will already be doing them anyway. So what shall he come and do? Do you know what the hadith says? He will stretch out his benevolent hand, his merciful hand, and place it upon your heads and drive your intellects to their completion. And that is the ultimate eschatology, the completion of the human intellect as a collective body. So when we talk about success, we don't mean success as just belief systems in our heads that causes bias. What we mean by success is a substantive process of growth that a human being curtailed within the cradle of culture and community practices is able to break free of them and arrive at the fullness of the truth, embraces it, emulates the truth and spreads that truth. That is success. A seed has to embrace its destiny and grow into a tree and bear fruits. And that is the success of a seed. A human being has to break forth from restraints. And this is what is known as completion. And that is what is signified by Qiyamah. The process of liberation is supposed to take us to the utmost yearning and that completion that we want. If we want to look at the state of utmost liberation, and utmost completion, we see that in Hussein ibn Ali, Salamullah En route to Karbala, he sees a half-burnt tent. He approaches an old woman. Now, you know the story very well, but hear me again. And she is a Christian. She is not a Muslim. He approaches her and sees to her needs. He is that liberated that not only does he speak to her with utmost dignity, he says to her, I am in need of assistance. When your son returns, hasten to me. He is asking assistance of a Christian without looking into their Christianity and status of faith. This is the level of his liberation. And then again, when we see this man's spiritual state of completion, we see that truly this is a man 
who can be termed as the Ark of Salvation. A person who, if followed properly, will bring us to such a level of completion that humanity will take pride upon us. If you see him in the Euphrates, and he is cupping water in his hand, raising it to his mouth, this is what Majlis narrates. He paused for a moment. He may have become mindful of the thirst of Sakina. After all, he did promise his little daughter that allow me to leave. I may bring back some water for you. In any case, he lifts water. Arrows are shot upon him. And there is a cry. Oh, Hussein, as you quench your thirst, your tents are being looted. Ascends his steed, in a rage exits the Euphrates, calls out, O oh people, if you have left the noble Arab traditions, if you have no fear of hereafter, if you have no belief in God, then at least be free man in this, in, free man in this world of yours. What he displays is that utmost state of liberation. And why should he not be the Ark of Salvation? I will quote one more incident of this man. How he is. It is said in the Riwaya, when he returned to his tents, because Zainab's heart would fill with anxiety, every time she would not see her brother. So he would come, stand outside her tent, and cry out, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Zainab would take comfort that my brother is still alive. On this occasion, he is alone. There is no Abbas or Akbar or Habib or Muslim. He descends from his steed. As he descends from his steed, the enemies begin to approach him, to attack him. He does not have the time to reascend his Zuljana. So on foot, he begins to defend himself and the tents. The cloth of the tents lift. There is a young child of Imam Hassan, the age of 11 or 12. He looks at Hussein and cries out, Why do you kill my uncle? When Hussein hears this, he has fallen upon the earth. When Hussein hears this and sees the child beginning to come close to him, he looks at Zainab, who appears at the tent. He cries out, Ya Zainab, ihbisihi. Oh, Zainab, grab the child. The child escapes and runs towards Hussein. As he runs towards Hussein, an enemy strikes Hussein. As he strikes Hussein, the child puts forward his arm. The arm is cut from the elbow. He says, Oh, uncle, they have cut my arm. Hussein grabs him to his chest. As he grabs him, an arrow is shot into the chest of the child. In his embrace, the child flutters as he loses his life. Hussein, at this point, these are his words. Hakada, ya bunaya. O child, in this way, shall you come with me to your father and grandfathers? A man who does not lose his composure even at that point.
Hussein, in the darkness of the night, prepares to leave Medina. Somebody from Syria had gone to Medina and heard of the demand of allegiance from Yazid, from Hussein by Yazid. And he had heard that Hussein resists in giving allegiance and instead prepares to leave for Makkah. This riwaya in Mosuah Kalimat Hussein ibn Ali. He says, let me go and observe how the king of Arabia prepares his departure. It was evening. He goes there. From afar he observes. And he says, in the Mahalla Bani Hashim, Hussein sat on a chair. Around him were the sons of Hashim and a few companions. As they were preparing their animals to leave for the journey, there was a cry. O sons of Hashim, O friends of Hussein, lower your gazes. They all lowered their gazes. At that point, the man says, I saw a handsome young man accompanying a woman and he knelt and allowed her to get within the shade of the camel the canopy upon the camel I asked who was he and who was she I was told he was Akbar the son of Hussein and she was Layla his mother once again normality resumed once again there was a call O sons of Hashim O companions lower your gazes at this point, I saw a man with a lofty stature, with a majestic face that filled me with awe, accompanying two women. He knelt in front of their camel and allowed them to get into the camel canopy, carriage. I asked, who was he? Who were they? I was told he was the crescent of the Hashemis. Abbas ibn Ali. And they were his sisters, Zainab and Kulthum. This is how Hussein prepares. Hussein comes to Makkah. He finds danger in Makkah for him. As he finds danger in Makkah for him, many people approach him. Abdullah bin Umar comes to him. And he says, Oh Hussein, I ask you not to advance towards Kufa. Imam Hussein says to him, I will go to Kufa, my destiny awaits me. I ask you to come with me, hesitate not. For indeed, if your father was here, he would have unsheathed his sword and supported me in my claim, as he did so, the claim of the Prophet of Allah. Abdullah bin Umar refused. He said, in that case, return and inform the people. His brother Muhammad ibn Hanafiya came. He said to Muhammad ibn Hanafiya, go back to Medina. And look after the people of Medina and explain to them what is transpiring. Ibn Abbas came to Hussein. He says, Oh Hussein, they will put you to death. Do not trust these people. Hussein said to Ibn Abbas, Oh Ibn Abbas, if I were to stay in Medina, they will kill me. If I were to stay in Makkah, they will search me out and put me to death. I do not wish 
for the sanctity of Medina and Makkah to be violated by the spilling of my blood. At this point, Ibn Abbas looks at Hussein. Zainab khadi hai piche, parde ke piche. Or Ibn Abbas kehte hai Hussein, agar jana hai Kufa ki taraf, to Zainab or Kulsum ko lekar mat jao. Zainab تھیر نہیں سکی بے ساختہ بول پڑی ابن عباس یہ بے انصافی ہے جو آپ کر رہے ہیں کیا زینب اپنے بھائی سے جدا رہ سکتی ہے کبھی ابن عباس نے دوبارہ دور آیا اپنا سوال ہے حسین کوفہ کیوں جا رہے ہو تو حسین نے اب جواب دیا ان اللہ یرید یرانی قتیلہ اللہ مجھے مقتول دیکھنا چاہتا ہے ابن عباس کہا زینب و کلسوم کو کیوں لے جا رہے ہو تو حسین نے جواب دیا ان اللہ یرید یراہن سبایا اللہ انہیں قیدی دیکھنا چاہتا ہے ابن عباس تو ابن عباس نے پوچھا ہے حسین بچوں کو کیوں لے جا رہے ہو تو حسین نے جواب دیا ان اللہ یرید یراہن یتاما اے ابن عباس اللہ انہیں یتیم اور سہرا میں بکھرا ہوا دیکھنا چاہتا ہے اللہ لعنت اللہ لکوم الظالمین ماتم حسین Subhanallah ae chaand mohar 
غم کے تو بدلی میں چلا جا سکھ 
Could we please decide the Dua Shafa for Gulshan Gova, who is in St. George's Hospital, and for all those that are in tonight? Dua Shafa, please. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Amma yujibul mudhatarra iza da'a wa yakshifu suh. Amma yujibul mudhatarra iza da'a wa yakshifu suh. Could you please insert Surah Fatah for all the Marhumins whose names will be appearing on the screens and for all their deceased family members. Surah Al-Mubarakat Al-Fatiha. Brothers and sisters, just a few other announcements. On Friday, the 16th of October, Ladies Only Majlis program shall start at 10.30 a.m. 
with Marsha, followed by Majlis, Matam, ending with Namaz. And inshallah, in the evening, we shall commemorate the third night of Muharram. The program shall start at 7.30 p.m. with Namaz, followed by Marsha and poetry, Majlis, Matam, and ending with Q&A with Sheikh Arif. There will also be parallel children's Majlis in the Zamana Hall. On Saturday, the 17th of October, we will also have a Q&A session uh, with Sheikh Arif after the program. And on Sunday, the 18th of October, it's the Bar Masik Majlis for Marhum Muhammad Jafri Jadol Yudanji. Inshallah, the program shall start at 6.16 p.m. with Namaz, followed by Niyaz, Marasha, Majlis, and Ngurmatim. Also, we've had um, a number of complaints about members parking outside driver entrances. Please ensure do not, you do not block neighbors' driveways when coming to the center. Also, brothers and sisters, can you please also just park appropriately as well? We've had a few issues where uh, people are struggling to find parking as there isn't enough space. So when you do park, please do so appropriately. Lastly, uh, please, please can all Martin reciters that have been allocated slots to see Shabar Qasim after the program. Thank you for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Can you please stand for the tiarats? السلام عليك يا سيدي يا رسول الله السلام عليك يا نبي الله السلام عليك يا أمير المؤمنين السلام عليك يا فاطمة الزهراء سيدة نساء العالمين السلام عليك يا حسن المجتبى السلام عليك يا أبا عبد الله الحسين وعلى الأرواح التي حلت بفنائك عليكم مني جميعا سلام الله أبدا ما بقيت وبقي الليل والنهار ولا جعل الله آخر العهد مني لزيارتكم السلام على الحسين وعلى علي بن الحسين وعلى أولاد الحسين وعلى أصحاب الحسين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام عليك يا وارث آدم سفوة الله السلام عليك يا وارث نوح النبي الله السلام عليك يا وارث إبراهيم خليل الله السلام عليك يا وارث موسى كريم الله السلام عليك يا وارث عيسى روح الله السلام عليك يا وارث محمد حبيب الله السلام عليك يا وارث أمير المؤمنين ولي الله السلام عليك يا ابن محمد المصطفى السلام عليك يا ابن علي المرتضى السلام عليك يا ابن فاطمة الزهراء السلام عليك يا ابن خديجة الكبرى السلام عليك يا فار الله وابن فاره 
والوتر الموتور أشهد أنك قد أقمت الصلاة وآتيت الزكاة وأمرت بالمعروف ونحيت عن المنكر وعتعت الله ورسوله حتى تاق اليقين فلعن الله أمة كتلتك ولعن الله أمة ظلمتك ولعن الله أمة سمعت بذلك فرضيت به يا مولاي يا أبا عبد الله أشهد أنك كنت نورا في الأسلاب الشامخة والأرحام المطحرة لم تنجسك الجاحلية بأن جاسها ولم تلبسك من مدلح مات ثيابها وأشهد أنك من دعائم الدين وأركان المؤمنين وأشهد أنك الإمام البر التقي الرضي الزكي الحادي المحدي وأشهد أن العمة من ولدك كلمة التقوى وعلام الحجاء والعروة الوفقاء والحجة على أحل الدنيا وأشهد الله وملائكه وأنبياءه ورسوله أني بكم مؤمن وبإيابكم موقن بشرائي ديني وخواتيم عملي وقلبي لقلبكم سلم وأمري لأمركم معتب سلوات الله عليكم وعلى أرواحكم وعلى أجسادكم وعلى أجسامكم وعلى شاحدكم وعلى غائبكم وعلى ظاهركم وعلى باتنكم السلام عليك يا ابن رسول الله السلام عليك يا ابن نبي الله السلام عليك يا ابن عمير المؤمنين السلام عليك يا ابن الحسين الشهيد السلام عليك أيها الشهيد وابن الشهيد السلام عليك أيها المذلوم وابن المذلوم لعن الله أمة كتلتك ولعن الله أمة ظلمتك ولعن الله أمة سمعت بذلك فرضيت به السلام عليكم يا أولياء الله وأهباءه السلام عليكم يا أسفياء الله وأوداءه السلام عليكم يا أنصار دين الله السلام عليكم يا أنصار رسول الله السلام عليكم يا أنصار أمير المؤمنين السلام عليكم يا أنصار فاطمة سيدة نساء العالمين السلام عليكم يا أنصار أبي محمد الحسن بن علي الولي الزكي الناصر
السلام عليكم يا أنصار أبي عبد الله بيبي أنتم وأمي طبتم وطابت الأرض التي فيها دفنتم وفزتم فوضا عظيما فيا ليتني كنتم معكم فأفوز معكم السلام عليك يا أبا الفضل العباس بن أمير المؤمنين السلام عليك يا ابن سيد الوسيين السلام عليك يا ابن أول القوم إسلاما واقدمهم إيمانا واقدمهم دين الله وحوتهم على الإسلام أشهد لك أن صحت لله ولرسوله ولأخيك فنعم الأخ المواسي فلعن الله أمة كتلتك ولعن الله أمة ظلمتك ولعن الله أمة استخلت منك المحارم وانتحكت حرمة الإسلام فنعم الصابر المجاحد المحام الناصر والأخ الجاف وأن أخيه المجيب إلى طاعة ربه الراغب فيما زهد فيه غيره من الصواب الجزيل والثناء الجميل والحقق الله بدرجة آبائك في جنات النعيم السلام عليكم جميعا شهداء كربلاء ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام عليك يا غريب الغرباء وبعيد المدى السلطان بن حسن مولانا علي بن موسى الرضا كن شفيعنا وشفيع والدينا في يوم الجزاء السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام عليك يا مولانا يا صاحب الأسر والزمان سيدي الأمان 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 السلام عليك يا شريك القرآن عجل الله تعالى فرجك وسحل الله تعالى مخرجك وظهورك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم كل وليك الحجة ابن الحسن صلواتك عليه وعلى آبائه في هذه الساعة وفي كل ساعة وليا وافضا وقائدا وناصرا ودليلا وعينا حتى تسكنه أرضك توعا وتمتعه فيها تويلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم ارزقنا في الدنيا زيارة الحسين وفي الآخرة شفاءة الحسين واحشرنا تحت لواء الحسين بحرمة محمد وآل محمد برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين